Who here is a leader? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure as you think that, you would expect maybe uh, the people who are on staff here at the church, uh, the deacons, board of management, uh, those sort of people would, would raise their hand. But what would you say if I said every single one of you is a leader? Uh, you might find that a little bit uncomfortable, but it all comes down to what a leader is. A leader is not just someone who has an official position or authority that has been granted them by somebody. That is not necessarily what a leader is. A leader is simply someone who has influence. And if you have influence over someone else, then you are a leader, And this is really important for us to be thinking about, that uh, it doesn't take someone special to be a leader. When when I think about leadership in the sense of influence, I I think about my daughter, Abby, when she was uh, quite young. In fact, she might have been in grade three or four or something like that. And at the time, uh, she really needed to bring a knitted blanket with her to school. That that was what gave her comfort, and she there's no way that we were going to be able to send her to school without her knitted blanket. However, the educational assistant at her school in, in her class was realizing it was getting to be the age where it wasn't appropriate uh, for someone to be bringing a knitted blanket. But at the same time, she understood that that's what Abby's need was. And so she found a way to to get around that. And so what she did is she knitted a poncho that had that same feel of a knitted blanket, but it was something that was more appropriate for uh, a little girl her age to be wearing for school. And Abby loved it. It worked perfect. It gave her the same sensation that she was looking for, and so she was able to wear it. And so in that way, we have that educational assistant showing some leadership. But the leadership continued on. The influence continued on because uh, as Abby uh, went to school, and she would often wear that knitted poncho over top of her winter coat, uh, some of the other girls in her class saw this knitted uh, poncho and and thought, well, I would like to have a knitted poncho as well. And so Abby actually started a bit of a fashion trend going on there. Abby had influence on her fellow students in terms of, of what they were going to wear. And so that was influence. Uh, but influence can go even deeper than that. And, and, and continuing with Abby and, and also our son Logan, uh, when we were at our previous church, uh, when we had gotten there, that church was pretty divided. There had been a lot of fighting over a whole bunch of different things. And I remember one Sunday collecting bulletins from the pews with the chair of deacons. And the, the, the deacon said to me, Steve, uh, your sermons are, are okay, which is a great thing to hear that they're okay. But anyways, he said they're okay, but you want to know what has really uh, healed this church? He said it was Logan and Abby, these two nonverbal kids with autism, uh, being present in that church, being a part of that community, that made the people on the different sides that were uh, fighting against each other to realize the differences that they had were just not that important. And so uh, the experience of what I heard uh, before we got there and, and the fighting that was going on, that wasn't our experience. We actually uh, found that church to be extremely loving, but people were able to identify the influence of Logan and Abby. So we are all leaders because we all have influence in some area of our life. The only question is whether we are good leaders or bad leaders. Are we influencing people for good 
or are we influencing people for bad? Now, there are plenty of models of leadership out there. Uh, some of them good, some of them not so good. Uh, we look uh, to our politicians and to celebrities, and we can see that as much as they have influence over people, sometimes it's not always for the best. And the fact is, even in the Bible, there are some pretty bad leadership models. Uh, some of the, the people that we find in the scriptures, if we were to look at them, that is not a how-to for leadership because they are really, really bad. Thankfully, though, there are some really good leadership models in the Bible. And one of my favorite is that of Deborah. And I appreciate Deborah not just because uh, she's one of the, the few women to have the... the uh, position of leadership that she had, uh, especially in the Old Testament times, uh, although I do appreciate that she was groundbreaking in that area, but I appreciate her simply for the way she led. She had so much wisdom. In fact, if you look at all of the judges in that book, she probably is one of the best examples of leadership that we will find. And that's why we're going to be focusing on her this morning and looking at what we can learn about leadership from the life of Deborah. Well, since we started our series on Genesis to Revelation, we've been going slowly through the the history of Israel. We saw how Moses brought the people out of slavery in Egypt, bringing them to Mount Sinai, uh, wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, eventually uh, coming to the Promised Land, and uh, Joshua brought the people into the promised land. And they were able to come in and to take Canaan and to settle there. However, it didn't go as well as they had hoped. Yes, they were able to physically get into Canaan, but they weren't able to subdue their enemies the way they had wanted. And so they had enemies all around them, and there was a lot of fighting that was going on. Whereas when Israel first came into Canaan, they were the ones that were feared. Now the Israelites were living in fear from their enemies as the the Canaanites were fighting them and trying to drive them from the land. Now, at this point in their history, they don't have kings. Kings are going to be coming, but at this point, there are no kings leading Israel. But what they do have are judges. Now, judges are a little bit different from what what, what we think of as judges. Uh, When I think of judges, I think of uh, Judge Wapner. Does anyone remember Judge Wapner from the People's Court? I might be dating myself and and talking about that. But anyways, that is not what these judges were like. Uh, These judges, yes, they they had a legal aspect. And so when there was a a need, there was a a difference, uh, there was some kind of uh, case to be looked at. Yes, these judges would look at them, but they were also uh, political leaders and they were also often military generals as well. And so God would raise up judges uh, every time that there was a, some kind of difficulty going on. Uh, there wasn't always a judge, but whenever there was a need, God would raise up a judge. So some of the, the well-known judges that we have are, are people like Gideon and Samson. They're more well-known than Deborah, but I actually think that Deborah did a much better job. And so what we have in this story is uh, Deborah uh, is spoken to by God that this is what's going to happen, and she passes on the message to Barak, who is the 
general of the army to say, uh, this is how we're going to attack. And uh, she goes with Barak as they go and they fight against the Canaanites. And they are able to defeat the Canaanites, even though the Canaanites had superior med- uh, military technology. Their, their chariots were made out of iron, which was a great advantage for them. But by God's power, the Israelites were able to overcome them. And their leader, Sisera, uh, escaped and unfortunately, he escaped to the, the wrong place, and he went into this tent, and uh, the, the person who, uh, who lived there um, uh, brought him in and covered him up and made him feel comfortable, but as soon as he fell asleep, uh, she took a tent peg and, uh, and put it through his skull, uh, thus killing him. And so that was unfortunate for him, but fortunate for Israel, as uh, Israelites, uh, their enemy had been killed. And so that's the, the the story of Deborah in a nutshell. But there's more for us to dig into. So we're, what we're going to do is take a look at what we can learn from the story of Deborah, specifically thinking about leadership. Now, I will tell you, this is not the leadership lesson, okay? If you have a conflict, I am not saying that the best way to deal with a conflict is with a tent peg and a hammer, okay? Uh, if you have a problem with me, Leave the tent pegs at home. We'll come in, we'll talk, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, look at whatever's going on. So that is not the leadership lesson. But there are some other things that are going on here. So uh, one of the things that we find here is that um, Deborah is a woman of faith. As uh, She's described as being a judge, but she's also described as being a prophetess. Uh, she's someone who is in constant uh, contact with God. Uh, she uh, hears from God. She gets uh, leading from God. And in fact, the mission that, that takes place here, it is by God's initiative. God starts this, and she responds to what God is leading. And so this all emerges out of faith. And this is important for leadership today, on whatever level uh, we might lead, that that leadership must emerge from our faith in God. Uh, you may know that there's a lot of pressure on, on politicians to not allow their faith perspective to influence their leadership. And you'll hear that you can uh, Google that, uh, the, the discussions that go on, that uh, some people are actually hesitant to uh, uh, elect Christian politicians because they're afraid that their faith will influence uh, how they lead. Well, their faith should influence how they lead. Now, it is true that it is a problem if uh, people of faith try to impose their faith on those who don't believe it. That is a problem when it comes to the political level. But certainly, uh, our uh, faith values in terms of, of what our ethics are and our morals and, and the importance of, of caring for people in need and all of those things that emerge out of our faith, that should influence how we lead. And so when we think about our circle that's around us, the people that we're influencing, uh, we need to be asking how much of that influence is reflecting our faith commitments. Are we influencing simply by the things that we enjoy doing, or is it influenced by what we truly believe the scriptures teach? The second thing that we learn from Deborah here is that she responded to a need. What happened here was uh, an actual uh, need that was taking place, 
and she brought leadership to that need. She, she was aware, of course, that there was this conflict between the Canaanites and the Israelites, but she took it to the next level. She went from being aware to being active. She brought the, her knowledge of what was going on into action. And that is really important. It is so easy for us to sit back and say, you know, someone really ought to do something about, and we can do that all day. I mean, we can all see the needs that are around us and say, well, someone ought to do something about that. But the question is, what are we going to do? How active are we going to be? Leadership is not meant to be passive. It's not just meant to sit back and and to notice that things are wrong or even to criticize that things are wrong, but to actually get involved and try to make a positive change. That's what Deborah did, and that's what we need to do. We can see all kinds of things around us. What are we going to do to put those that knowledge that we have into action and to actually make a change? And then this brings us to the third thing, which is probably one of my favorite aspects of Deborah's leadership. And that is she wasn't seeking the spotlight. Uh, as you see, uh, she uh, immediately goes to Barak, and Barak is supposed to lead the army. Now, when she passes that on and she gives him that responsibility, that means that it's very likely that the troops are going to be cheering Barak and not Deborah. She is not going to get the glory for it. Barak is going to get the glory for that. But Deborah doesn't care because the point is you accomplish the mission. It's not about uh, who gets the spotlight, who gets cheered, uh, who gets all the glory. It's not about that. It's about what has to happen. And if she stays in the background, that's fine. In fact, when you read the story... And you see what, what's going on, and she, she says that she's not uh, going to lead the army, and Barak's going to do it. And then she says uh, that the enemy of uh, the Israelites is going to fall to a woman. And when you're reading that for the first time, you're probably thinking, oh, I know who that's going to be. It's going to be Deborah who's going to get the final blow to kill the enemy general. But it's not her. It's another woman. So even then, uh, Deborah is in the background. And this is so important because there is an attraction to being out in the spotlight. And unfortunately, we've seen uh, in some of the mega churches around in, uh, in the recent years, uh, uh, pastors who have loved uh, the power, the, they have loved the spotlight, they loved being out there. And we've seen them fall. They're not falling because of, of sexual sin or having affairs or, or uh, um, misusing money or anything like that. They're doing it because of abuse of authority. And there is a real attraction. But it's not just for pastors. It's not just for people with official leadership positions. Uh, we all want to be noticed in what we are doing. But Deborah teaches us that it's more important to get the job done than to be noticed as the one who is getting the job done. And then the final thing we're going to look at is something that's not in this chapter, but is in uh, Judges chapter 5. And we're not going to read that chapter, but if you just look at that chapter, it is a song of praise by Deborah and Barak giving glory to God over what has taken place. And that is so key, that even though there's all kinds of people involved, in the end, they gave glory to God for what happened. That all the things that took place... It all came down to God. And that's something that we need to do as well. We can look and we can see, hey, we did, 
we had a positive influence on a person and we've seen some positive change, that's wonderful. You know, we can feel good about that, but ultimately we need to give glory to God for what he has done. Every single one of you are a leader. You have influence. You have influence in your family. You have influence at your school. You have influence at your workplace. You have influence here at church. You all have influence, and that makes you a leader. Let us follow the principles that we learn from Deborah. Let's make sure that that influence is based in our faith. Let's make sure that our influence is about moving from knowledge to action. Let's make sure that our influence is not about us getting noticed in what we're doing, that we're comfortable being behind the scenes. And ultimately, let our influence and our leadership give glory to God, who is the one ultimately responsible. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the the story of Deborah. Uh, What an amazing woman she was. What an amazing leader she was. Uh, May we learn from her example and that we would be able to follow in her ways, that we would be able to influence the people around us in a positive way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.